more to the Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. If you've ever wondered just how involved God is in your everyday life, then you come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Jason Com, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives through the Ten Commandments, baptism, the Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to Living the Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith Podcast, Episode 15, Maker of Heaven and Earth. My name is Pastor Tom Marsis, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Vicar Jason Kahn. And this week, our topic, we begin looking at the first article of the Apostles' Creed. Now, our focus is shifting uh, to talk about God the Father. Last week, we were celebrating Easter and celebrating the resurrection, but now we're moving back into the role of who is God and what is his role. Uh, from the commandments to the creeds, it's an interesting shift really for us. We study God's law. Why are we studying the creeds now, you might ask? Well, the commandments teach us what to do and not to do. The creed teaches us what God has done and is doing for us. And we're all familiar with the Apostles' Creed or just saying creeds in church in general. We all have that moment in the service where we'll say, let us now confess our faith together in the words of the whichever creed we're saying of that day. And so we say these creeds all the time. There's a good chance that you have it memorized, even if you don't realize it. Uh, but that being said, we're a lot more familiar with the Ten Commandments and their place in our lives. But then when we get to the creed, we just kind of, we read it, and I don't know if we really understand why we do it. You know, is this just something that we have to do to have a worship service? Is this just another box that we're checking off? Um, but as Pastor Marcus mentioned, the creeds, they're very good, succinct summaries of what God does for us. They kind of broadly summarize the entire story and character of who God is and what he does, his work in creation and salvation. And so uh, our church has three creeds that we'll typically say, two of them, you'll see a lot more than the third one. There's the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. We're all familiar with those. But there's also that elusive Athanasian Creed that we usually say on one Sunday of the year. And if you'd like a refresher on these three creeds, we actually talked about them a little bit earlier in our Living the Faith emphasis in episode two, who is Jesus? So uh, that's where we discuss their historical context and how they were formed and what they're all about. And so if you'd like a little refresher on these three creeds, we encourage you to go back to that episode and check it out because today we want to shift our focus to talking about God the Father as it's stated in the first article of the creed. And just as a quick reminder, what and why a creed? Uh, creeds come out of some kind of controversy. They were written for some specific controversy that was happening in the church to be able to clearly delineate and point out what the actual belief of the church was and is. And so a creed wasn't just saying, okay, we're going to write a creed today. I mean, there was some kind of difficulty, misunderstanding going on in the church. And the creed was written to then answer that in a very manner so that the average everyday parishioner 
listener would know what it means. And these are the the three that uh, Vicar mentioned are the ancient creeds or the ecumenical creeds. But today and in the coming weeks, we're going to be more uh, specifically focusing on the Apostles' Creed. And in that, as we do that, we want to talk about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Apostles' Creed especially is very easily broken down into those three parts. And so as we go through, we're going to talk about what is the Trinity, which we've spoken about earlier, and the different persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, their different roles, and yet how all three, while we attribute different roles to them and the different persons, yet they all three are involved in the work of all of them except for dealing with Jesus, of course. Mm -hmm. And what may surprise you is that God in the scriptures is never actually referred to as the Trinity or the Holy Trinity. There's no, you won't find that word describing God anywhere. And yet that's what we call him all the time because the scriptures testify to the same God, but three different persons that are that same God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the Trinity, that is a word that humans have have used to describe God as not actually in the Bible, and it helps us understand him better. It's easy to think it's easier to think of God as just the Trinity. And understanding who God is and what God is actually helps us understand who we are, especially who we are in relation to him, why we matter to him, why he cares about us, what he does with us, and why he does what he does with us. Um, And so that's going to be our focus for the coming weeks. We're going to be talking about who God is, um, and the creeds are going to help us out with that. And what's especially cool about these creeds, as Pastor Marcus mentioned earlier, Christians have been confessing these creeds for thousands of years, for a long time. They've been around for quite a while. And so we say the same words that Christians a long time ago said and confessed in. And this helps us come to the same page and like an equal understanding about who God is. I mean, can you imagine trying to uh, explain God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit if we didn't have these creeds that just tells us so simply who they are? I mean, Everyone would come up with all sorts of different ideas about about who God is and what he does. But the creeds, they unite Christians across space and time under one common confession. And today we're just going to, and for the coming weeks, we're just going to focus on that first part um, of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And so we're talking about God as the Father first. And that identifies him then as creator of everything that exists. And knowing that it's hard to describe to someone who does not have faith, well, what do you mean he's the creator and maker of all things? Where did he come from? That's always usually one of the questions. Well, he just always was. Well, they don't like that answer. But indeed, that's where we start with scripture as we see him the creator of all things, making everything out of nothing and that it all belongs to him. There's God and everything else. I mean, it's that simple and yet it's that complex to understand out of nothing. Uh, he merely spoke it because let's face it, the world is constantly trying to say this came from that, this came from there, uh, trying to somehow explain that this evolved into this and, and the changes and always trying to find an answer where many times there just isn't an answer. And if we think about how God made everything, the very first words that he spoke 
was simply let there be light. And then there just was light. It just happened. And this illustrates a truth about God that I'm not sure we always keep in mind. When God speaks, reality changes. His words have that power to just create things, to make stuff happen. And so let's tie this into like an actual worship service. I know that I've talked about this um, a few times over the over the past year with our Trek Through the Scriptures and Living the Faith Studies. But when when a pastor stands up in front of the congregation and says, you know, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus, I forgive you all of your sins. Those are not the pastor's words, but actually God's words. And remember, when God speaks, reality changes. So if the pastor declares you forgiven, you just are forgiven because God says so. That's that's how his word works. And kind of the same thing can be applied for like the consecration of the sacraments. You speak Jesus' words that he spoke, and because they're Jesus' words and not our words, they just are what they say they are. And so I, I want us to remember this going forward, that God uses his words to make things, to create things. When he speaks, things change. Um, and kind of another point to go off of with that, nothing else in all of creation could create heaven and earth because nothing else created heaven and earth other than God. And so the way that I learned it growing up is that if you're the creator of heaven and earth, if you made all things, then you're God. Then that's your job description. Then you fit the bill. And so there's only one God, only the God who created everything. That's that's all that there is. Only he has the power to do that kind of thing. And Another note for that, God didn't, he didn't make everything out of internal need or because he he had to, or he was obligated to. He didn't have to make anything. He did so purely because he just wanted to. He started creating things. He made everything in all of creation because he wanted to. And this actually sets the pattern of grace itself. God does not have to give us grace. He does not have to have mercy upon us. He just does it. He just wants to. And so creation itself is this act of grace that we didn't ask for, but God still did it anyway because he wanted to. Undeserved. That's where it really comes down to when we talk about grace, when we talk about creation, when we talk about his actions in our lives, undeserved. Can't be earned, can't be bought not deserved. He gives it to us anyways. And God created as many things as he did for beauty, joy, and delight. I mean, think about the width and breadth of creation. Uh, you can't go to the outer edges of society sometimes, like into our national parks as an example, and not be amazed and wonder of the beauty of God. In North Dakota, obviously, a lot of North Dakota is flat prairie. And you can be driving along in this flat prairie and and uh, in our humanness think, oh, this is kind of boring. And then all of a sudden, bang, you're in the Badlands. And it's like, wow, what a change. And how realizing God's majesty, God's wonder, God's plan goes from this to that and how he makes it all uh, in such an amazing, amazing way. And Remember, all the way back as we look at Genesis, one of the wonders of the first two chapters is he looked over all that he had made and it was very good. In other words, everything was made perfect. Uh, we're talking about the first day of creation, the second day of creation, the third day of creation, and so forth. And yet, 
Sadly, the reason that we see it now only in part is because of how sin entered the world and corrupted it. God had a choice to make. He could either start all over or save everything he had made. And fortunately for us, he made the choice to save what he had made. And, and it's in that that the plan was set into motion that he would send his son, as we see in chapter 3 of Genesis, a savior would come. And only the one who made everything, let's face it, would be able to make it new again. We can try. Uh, we can debate about how we're going to do this in, in creation, how we're going to take care of the environment in this manner, or we're going to do that. But ultimately, the only one that can save everything is God himself. And I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but God didn't have to deal with sin at all. He could have just wiped the slate clean, obliterated everything, and started all over, made it all over again, and you know, done it right this time, so to speak. Um, but God loved everything that he made so much that he wanted to redeem it all. And we talked about this in last week's podcast. It was always God's plan to redeem his creation. This was, this was always the plan. Even though he could have started over and never had to deal with sin at all, he did through Christ. And again, as a mystery, we're never going to be able to understand why God works like that. But that is just a beautiful expression of his love, that he loved everything that he made the first time so much that he wanted to save it. Um, and so now I want to shift our focus um, to talk about our relationship with God a little bit. We are, simply put, creatures. We are creatures of a creator. That is ultimately what a human being is in the biblical sense. We are creatures of a loving creator. And so you can think of it this way. You and I have more in common with frogs than we do with God because frogs are creatures and we are creatures, but God is the creator. So he is completely, totally, wholly different from you and me. And so we are more like anything else in all of creation um, than, than we are like God. Not in an evolution sign, uh, sign of way. I mean, let's be honest with that. And yet, even as the crown of God's creation, the only part of God's creation that he had an actual hand in, everything else that he created, he merely said, and it was. Uh, Adam, he took the dust of the ground, formed it into uh, Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, became a living being. Took the rib out of Adam, formed Eve. So he took a hands-on approach. But even with that, there's God, and everything else. And so it's important to realize that we are not many gods walking around, even though God has given us the responsibility of looking over his creation and being the very crown of his creation. We need to step back and realize there's God and everything else. Mm -hmm. And humans do have a special place in creation, not just to, to be responsible for ruling over what God has made and taking care of his creation, but humans are the only creatures that are specifically made in God's image. That's partially what it means to have this life breathed into us, um, but to put this simply, humans are a body and a soul. So we're a body into whom God has breathed his life into, his spirit into. And so that makes every single human life 
extremely precious and valuable to God. There, there is no one on earth that doesn't have this gift of being made in the image of its creator. And so that's, that's partially why we want to preach the gospel to all people, to all sinners, because God made all of them and wants to save all of them, every last one. And that's always one of those interesting questions. Well, if he really sees all as precious, why do some have such a difficulty and others don't? We're going to talk about that more as we go through it, but realize that while we humanly speaking might look, well, why is that person have so much trouble and this person doesn't? Is that person more precious than the other? No, we're all precious in God's sight. His desire is that all be saved. But in saying that, it's not a forcing it. We're not computers, that we don't have any idea, that the that we're programmed and we have no choice. No, there is that free will, and we'll be talking about free will as we go through this. But be assured, each and every one of you are precious and valuable to God. And sadly, though, uh, this special relationship the vicar was just talking about was lost. Why? Due to sin. And, and that became that wedge between that perfect relationship with God. If you remember back from Genesis chapter three and God forced them out of the garden, uh, that they were no longer able to uh, eat of the tree uh, of everlasting life and so forth, that they, that they were not going to live forever. And uh, that relationship was changed. And yet that's why the savior was necessary. That's why he sent his son. And so Jesus came to restore that. We celebrated that just last week in the celebration of Easter. And when will it be completed? Soon. That's all we have. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon in Revelation. And that's all we get. So we trust that, that Jesus is on his way at the right time. In the meantime, we live in this in this now, but not yet reality. You can think of it kind of like, uh, you can think of the resurrection of Jesus kind of like this blooming, budding flower that you, you can see the little shoots of it poking out of the ground. So it has started, the process of restoration has started, but the flower's not fully grown yet, just like our restoration in God's image is not complete yet. But there'll be a day when that flower blooms fully. That's the day when Jesus returns, raises all people from the dead, separates the righteous from the unrighteous. But guess what? People are only righteous because of what Jesus has done. Um, the people that he gives his own righteousness to freely. And so we wait for his return and all we get is he's coming back soon. And in the meantime, there are still great joys and beauties to be seen in this life, um, purely because of Jesus. We have gifts of grace and forgiveness and love and blessings that are all around us. If we would but uh, take some time, not to just glance around, but actually gaze upon how God is working in our lives uh, in this day. And so we live in this now and not yet reality, and don't worry, we are going to talk about that more later down the line as well. We are going to answer questions um, and get more in-depth into this kind of stuff later on. Well, we hope that this time with us today was helpful for you as we begin our look at God the Father and the opening portions of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we encourage you to look through the daily readings and the questions, reflections, and uh, make note of those. If you would like to be a part of our Bible class on Sunday morning, it is hybrid. You can always uh, contact us through our website, and we'd be glad to have you zoom in with us and be able to be a part of that as the vicar dives in a little bit more in depth on our Sunday morning Bible class. 
But as always, we wish the Lord's blessings upon you as you dive into the scriptures, as you reflect on what the scriptures are telling us, and this week specifically on the work of God the Father. Lord's blessings this week. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.